production. The views and opinions expressed by the hosts and guests of Reality Realty are not necessarily the views or opinions of Northumberland 89.7 FM. The information given is designed to be informative and helpful. You should always consult a professional when buying or selling your home. This is Reality Realty, and I'm Dale Bryant, and I'm a real estate broker with Royal LePage Pro Alliance Realty Brokerage. And at this time each week, at this time each week, we bring you Reality Realty, and this is your local real estate forum where we take on, we talk about, and we interview guests on all things real estate with a direct focus on Northumberland County and the communities and services within it. Co-hosting today... With me is Catherine Gissing. Catherine is the owner and founder of Sage Relocation Services. Good morning, Catherine. Good morning, Dale. So how's your week been so far? It's been extremely busy. There's a lot of people downsizing and moving right now. So today is a topic that they're going to want to tune in for. Perfect. And and uh, we'll, we'll introduce our guests a little later, but what is the topic today? Well, the topic today is going to interest a lot of people because we're going to talk about the resale industry. So the, re- the resale industry is basically that industry that includes all sorts of different channels or ways to disperse of items that you perhaps own but no longer need or want. And some of those channels are things like consignment stores or estate sales. We've talked a little bit about online auctions in the past. So today is a different approach to one of some of the options for finding new homes for those things. Well, it sounds like an interesting show and a show that's uh, relatable for a lot of people who are either doing a big downsizing or there's an estate to, uh, to empty out, well... We'll start the show off here today with our snapshot, which is a look at today's residential real estate market here in Northumberland County. And folks, I broadcast these stats each week on the show, and I also publish them at the end of every month. I put them on social media, on Google+, uh, Twitter. We'll have a link, Facebook, and the different social media, and at the end of every month, I do a simple chart where you can do a month review of these Northumberland real estate stats. So for this week's report, there have been 105 single-family residential sales over the past month. And that's a four-week decreasing trend in sales. So four weeks ago, for example, we had 152 sales we reported. And today we're reporting 105 over the past month. We're left with an inventory of 273 residential listings for sale. And over the past 12 months, the average selling price of successful sales has increased once again to approximately $341,000. And that increased by another $1,000 over the past two weeks. On average, people are receiving 98% of their asking price in a new market time of 49 days. So we broke the 50 barrier finally, and on average, over the past year, people have been selling in 49 days. We are presently in a seller's market with an absorption rate going down to 38% based on the past month's trend. 
I research these Northumberland County statistics and I calculate the absorption rate using information from List Central. List Central is a local realtor component of the MLS system. So if you're thinking of buying or selling a home, you'll want this information to be area specific, specific to the property type you're dealing with and the price band it's in. So talk to your local realtor to understand the Northumberland market information that's most relevant to you. No one understands the Northumberland real estate market as well as a Northumberland realtor who's actually a member of the Northumberland Hills Association of Realtors. Today's mortgage rates, they remain very fairly stable. We can still get a five-year fixed as low as 2.24%. Yes, that's 2.24% and a five-year variable as low as 2%. And today's mortgage rates come to us from Mortgage broker Carol Ann Bryant with the Broker Financial Group. And that, folks, is your current snapshot of the residential real estate market here in Northumberland County. So, Catherine, I, I, got, I got a couple funny listing lines to share with, with everybody here today. Okay. And sometimes when we're writing a listing, you know, Sometimes when they're typed out, it doesn't turn out too well. And one of them I'm thinking of, it actually happened in a local real estate office here in town. Well, maybe even my local real estate office. (laughs) And I remember one day getting a a text, a text uh, photo with a small message. And, And you know how we have... Uh, most brokerages will post their listings on on the front window of the brokerage office. Yes. And so somebody had been reading these listings and was reading one. And this property, this property was like a waterfront property. And one of the the best features of the property, obviously, because uh, the realtor was pointing this out, was it had this really large deck and this deck had an incredible view and 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 you know sometimes you write about when you do a listing you write about the the features and sometimes you write about the lifestyle or the the lifestyle benefits or something that might tug on a on a, a heartstring or you know something that will personally motivate you to be interested and in this case they they even said um, that this particular this large deck with a a great view would even be um would even be the envy of the neighbors and your friends well the problem with this listing with this large deck with a great view that you will be the envy of your neighbors and friends i think there was an autocorrect on deck no. <laughs> there was an autocorrect on deck. And one of the vowels wasn't, well, the only vowel wasn't correct. So, yeah, you can imagine how that went. So I, I, got, I got that text with this very large deck with an incredible view, and you'll be the envy of your friends and neighbors. And uh, after being amused by it for a little while, I, Finally, something clicked, and I said, I need to phone the office. <laughs> so I phoned the office, and the office had already found out somehow. So they, but they also wanted to do damage control. <laughs> Where did you find this out? 
Dale and uh, how many people have seen this. So, yeah, I mean, they take it very seriously, but that one slipped by. So the question is, how much extra traffic did it get? Um, yeah, yeah, I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. But oddly enough, in publications that I receive, I've and, and sometimes they'll put in a humorous article on things like this, I've actually seen this happen before. So every now and again, something happens. But it just depends on how the rest of the description is worded, how much maybe humor or embarrassment is uh, mm-hmm. is is involved in in that kind of well, let, let's just uh, spell hope, check let's hope the seller was amused too you know well maybe hopefully the hopefully that got taken care of so fast the seller didn't even notice it or next to nobody noticed it right um, there's there's another one here that I, I which made me think about this this, uh, this week and this comes from Peggy Blair, and she writes for um, REM Online. That's Real Estate Magazine Online. And she claims that when she she came across this listing, she, she had quite a laugh. And uh, the, the listing reads, the, the one line of amusement reads, please, please add lot perineum for corner unit. Now, not everybody, and I, I'm pretty sure she meant to, uh, right, please add lot premium for mm-hmm. corner unit. Now, unless you're a doctor or, or into something like that, the perineum is is a little section of human real estate that typically will be clothed in your unmentionable. So if you're, <laughs> if you're ever interested when we get done here and, and you want to Google or look up in a dictionary what the perineum is, um, that, that made an interesting listing. Anyways, enough of the fun. Folks, this is just a reminder that the views and opinions expressed by me, co-hosts, guests of the show, or actually the views and opinions and humor expressed by (laughs) me, co-hosts, and guests of the show, or any of the articles presented do not represent the views and opinions of the station of the Northumberland Hills Association of Realtors, of any real estate brokerage, or of any other realtor. There simply are views, opinions, and sense of humor at this time, and maybe maybe I'll give my head a shake. So, Catherine, why don't you get started with today's guest and our topic? Sure. Well, the topic today is talking about resale. And as some of your listeners know, I manage a company which is a downsizing company. And part of the process of downsizing means that we are forever uncovering things that an owner is not taking with them, which means they have to find a new home for it. And usually that involves a process with a number of different options. And one of those options is it might go to auction, it might go to a consignment store if there's enough in the house, and maybe it's an estate sale, there could be a whole estate sale. And it's a fairly complex and sometimes lengthy process. And sellers um, are sometimes disappointed to find that the things that they have cherished for a very long time no longer have the kind of financial value that they might have had at some point in time. Mm -hmm. And so we as professionals spend a lot of time explaining the process to them, explaining the dynamics of changing value of items in the market in order to help them set their expectations. So we work really hard at that, but we rely upon professionals like David Simmons, who is joining us today. And I've invited David Simmons in because 
A number of people in Northumberland County will recognize the name if mm-hmm. they've been to Waddington's. When Waddington's was operating here, David was the chief auctioneer. And now, and for some time, has been the owner and the operator of Brighton Estate Auctions in Brighton. David knows the changing landscape, what we, what, what we call the resale industry, probably better than most in this county. And so we're really pleased that he's here today because we're going to pitch him a couple of really easy questions and maybe a little more challenging questions. But he's going to help us understand what happens with products that come to market through the resale channel and what Uh, sellers can expect from that in order to help them determine if that's a good route for them and set their expectations about price. Well, welcome. Welcome to the show, David. Thank you. It's good to have you here. So where do we get started here with estate and consignment sales? What's what's a good question to ask, David? Well, I'll tell you what. I'm going to start with a stat that I found um, from a research group in the States. There's a research group that's quite well-respected called America's Research Group, and they they track all sorts of different kinds of data. And they were looking at the growth in the resale industry. So resale could be loosely defined as auction, consignment stores, online auctions, thrift shops. And what they found is is there's a huge upward trend in terms of demand for those services. And there's a couple of reasons why there's growing demand for those services. But one of the interesting things they also found is they quantified how many people actually shop in that channel, in thrift stores and consignment stores in particular. And they found that currently somewhere in the range of 15, 12 to 15 percent of Americans, it's American data, shop on an annual basis of once at least once a year at what they would call a thrift or a consignment store. And that's an upward trend. And mm-hmm. there's all sorts of really interesting reasons for that. And, and David and I can talk about that maybe a little bit later in the show. But the, the self-evident ones are there's lots of baby boomers that are downsizing. And because they're downsizing, there's lots of product in the market, which means there's more choice. Um, some of the other reasons is there's a changing perception about resale. Resale used to be thought of as maybe the last resort if you wanted to buy something. You wouldn't dare be seen going into a thrift shop. Well, it's now got this cachet of cool surrounding it. And that's largely driven by millennials who, um, because they're earning less and they've got more tenuous employment, they've really embraced this whole idea of resale because it's economical for them. And, then, and so they adopt that early in their life and they take that as a buying habit as they mature in life as well. And and one of the other really big reasons is recycling. Like recycling has become part of our psyche as a culture today. Mm -hmm. We recycle all sorts of things. A very good thing. It's a good thing. It's absolutely a good thing. So if you can get good value and do something good for your community and good for your planet, why would you not consider that? And so those are some of the main factors that are driving that increasing trend in resale. And so there's lots of questions that we can ask David about that. But I just wanted to set that so we mm-hmm. had some context for the conversation. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I hear more and more young people, uh, not just in the last year or two, but maybe in the last eight, ten years, and they 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 have something that a prized possession, maybe a, a sports jacket they're wearing or, or, or something, and, and you ask them where they got it, and they'll say, Value Village. Uh, uh, so many people like that sort of uh, that sort of format for shopping. Sure, and the difference today, as opposed to say ten, fifteen years ago, is they're going to say that with pride. Yeah, because to them, it's a reflection on their character. They they are conscious consumers. Yes, it's good value, but they're conscious consumers, so it's a good mm-hmm. thing. 
for sure, for sure. So, uh, David, why don't oh, go ahead? So, uh, so, so having said that. <laughs> I'm going to start with some just sort of baseline questions in order to help our listeners understand what the resale industry includes. And so we're going to start by defining an estate sale and and defining also what consignment sales is about because they're two distinctly different things, but they they share a lot in common and they're two different options if someone is looking to move some of their things out of their house onto a new new owner. So I'm going to start by asking David if he can just, just give us a general understanding of what an estate sale is. Well, there's two phrases now, and new phrases come in, which is living estate, which you never heard 10 years ago. But with the demographics changing and so many people downsizing to smaller quarters, retirement homes, nursing homes, they're still alive, but they still have to disperse mm-hmm. the, the goods in their home. So an estate sale is basically the person's got a house, an apartment, a condo. You go in, you assess what's there, and you price it accordingly to the market, what the market will bear. You open the doors, and people come in over a period of one to two days, buy as much as they can and eliminate it from that person's life. The problem gets to be, which Catherine said before, people's perception of the value of their goods. It's it's very difficult when you're dealing with a senior person who's had a dining set for, you know, 50 years and has perceived value of $10,000 and really there's no market for it. So it, it's a very tricky situation. But again, living estate is becoming as much as a, a full deceased estate now. That's an interesting phrase. I, I hadn't heard that, but it makes very good sense. Yeah, because it suggests to people that you know this is a full household of stuff. It would be an estate, but the person's just not gone yet. Mm-hmm. And it also gives somebody who wants to stay in their house. It gives them an option to clear out their space, yep. allow them to live there longer and perhaps safer. Because one of the things we find as downsizers is that seniors sometimes become constrained by their house. It's almost like this creature that's gotten out of control. There's too many possessions. They've been there for decades. They're suffocating. They're suffocating, but they desperately want to stay, but it's no longer safe. And so what you're suggesting is a good option because it means that someone like myself can go in and strategically figure out the things that they no longer need. Someone like you can come in and manage the living living auction um, or the estate sale and clear it out so they are left with less... They're left with less things in the house, but it's a safer house, and it extends their stay in the house. And then sometimes you can pinpoint specific articles. will bring them in good revenue, you know, which also helps with the rising costs. Yeah. You know, a specific painting doesn't mean that much to them, but, you know, has high value in the market, mm-hmm. as opposed to keeping getting rid of stuff that has no value. Right. So, so David, when you, you mentioned with this estate sale, this happens at the house. At the house. At the house. And now you also said... It can happen over the course of a, a day or two. It's usually two days. Uh, two days. So is this is this where an auctioneer uh, would be auctioning it off, or is this like a yard sale style where where items would be throughout the house and people are just putting bids on it? It, it can be either. We, we go in and assess what's best for the client, the value of the goods, the type of goods. General household goods aren't going to create any... Uh, demanded auction that people are going to fight for so if it's a house with fine quality things which are going to create a market and you know competition that's a better way to go but general household goods sell for nothing at auction anymore they're put in large lots this way you sort of maximize the value of them Mm -hmm. you find somebody looking for a lawnmower at a point in time Mm -hmm. or looking for a set of dining chairs or looking for a set of dishes which wouldn't create much of a market at auction right so who who tends to be the buyer of those items. Those everybody. <laughs> everybody? Okay. A typical sale, 
opens at, say, 12 o'clock Friday in a, in a yard sale format in the garage to get the lesser stuff out, the tools, nails, grab, whatever they don't want. And then at 1 o'clock, the house is open. Everything has a two-part tag. The people either pick up a small thing or take half a tag. Once they've paid, they collect it. And over the course of two days, you can have hundreds of people through, depending on the type of the estate, if it's got a good name with it. And pictures are all put online now, so people come from a distance. Right, and and so you'll know you'll know the the items that will draw people in, and you advertise those, and yeah. yes, go from there. And one of the things I'll say from from my experience as well, Dale, is that there is no real typical buyer, as David says, that you can be surprised at who turns up. And again, going back to our old perception of resale, we might think that it's something that you don't want to be associated with. You might want to wear sunglasses and a dark or in a, or a hat when you go in so that people mm-hmm. don't recognize you. That That is not the case today. The, the case today is that people are actually proud of the fact that they're getting a good bargain, that they're helping the economy and they're helping, um, you know, the whole recycling, yeah, adopting the, the whole recycling yeah. valley. And, and so, and people do come from far and wide. And part of that comes down to the, to how good the event is marketed. So, you know, that comes down to people like David to know what kind of adver- advertising and promotion channels are best for that sale so that you reach the people that might have an interest in those particular kinds of items. But you do get people of all shapes and descriptions turning up. You'd be surprised. Mm-hmm. But anybody doing an estate sale now has a huge mailing and email list. So you'll get people coming from, you know, 100 miles away. Once they get on your email list, they get photos. They start to realize what's there. Right. And the other thing is you're buying unique items. You know, it's mm-hmm. nothing to get a doctor and a lawyer and an accountant coming because there's something unique in that house. Mm-hmm. Not You're not going to buy at a local retail store. Oh. Right. And so what would be the difference between uh, the auction process, the estate auction process, as opposed to a consignment store, which I know that you have in Brighton? The consignment store, it just gives people time to maybe maximize what they've got. You know, even in two days is not a big window. If you've got a really important painting or a very good cupboard, you sometimes need more traffic through than you might get that day. It helps control the price a bit better. When you price for an estate sale, you hope to have that house empty in two days. Right. So mm-hmm. so you might be sacrificing a little bit of maximizing what your return is, but you're getting the job done a lot faster. And to settle estates. Yes. You know, yeah. if, if the person isn't dead and they want to maximize, they might try the consignment route. But if you need that estate settled in, in a week, it has to be sold. And the estate thing starts at a price, but by day two... It's the price falls almost every hour till it's gone. Right, and there can be some advantage to, advantages to that as well. I've managed a number of estate sales where the mandate of the seller is simply to clear the house yep. as yep. quickly as possible, possible because the value is not in the belongings; the value is in the house. In the property. The sooner they can get that in the market, the sooner they can turn that around. And so the household things are almost incidental. It's a, it's a necessary evil. They've just got to be shifted out. And maybe as many times the house is sold, so there's a real barrier to get that out. Yes, of there. that too. Yeah, there's a deadline. All right. Well, we're already we're already at break time here, Catherine and David. Uh, folks, you've been listening to Reality Realty, Northumberland 89.7 FM's local real estate talk. Join David Simmons, Catherine, and myself after this break, and we'll continue to look at uh, estate and consignment sales as a means to clear out your house before a move. 
Welcome back. This is Northumberland 89.7 FM's Reality Realty with Dale Bryant and my co-host today is Catherine Gissing. Catherine's owner and, and founder of Sage Relocation Services. And our guest today is David Simmons of Brighton Estate Auctions. So Catherine, where did we leave off before break? Well, we left off with a lot of questions yet to be asked. All right. But I'm going to start with asking David to share some personal experiences with us because I know he's been in the industry for a very long time. The resale industry is uniquely different and maybe not the kind of career option that somebody might think of, perhaps when they're setting out as a young person. And I'm curious to know how he got into it. Uh, my wife and I, when we were 20, went to England, started buying antiques, shipping to Canada. There was a glut in Europe at the time and, and a growing demand in, in Canada. So that got us on our way. And after about 40, 30 years of doing that, uh, Waddington's, which is Canada's largest auction, decided they wanted a presence outside of Toronto. We'd been friends for years and they asked <laughs> if I would chair it up and I said no. <laughs> and after about three days, I decided to try and it's, it's been a great experience. But a totally different than a one-on-one dealing relationship. Yeah, well, you know, I, I was through Waddington's many times, bought several things there, which I've enjoyed, continue to enjoy today. I'm really sorry they're not here still. Changing trends again. The demand for furniture's fallen. Uh, the costs were rising. I was working too long. We just saw a changing market. Yeah, mm-hmm. I understand that. And and having having David on here today, it it made me do some Google searching this week and. And I, I noticed that there's there's still auctioneer school. Oh, yes. Uh, there's there's a couple. There was a, an auctioneer school. There was an auctioneer college. All this in Canada. So uh, it's very alive and well that people seem to be still um, very interested in learning the skills and techniques involved in being an auctioneer. Of course, it doesn't just relate to household goods. There's cattle auctioneers, car auctioneers, real estate auctioneers. But there still is a, a need to dispose of goods. And there'll always be auctions. They've been there since 1730, so they'll continue. Mm-hmm. And, and which you just mentioned there, uh, uh, David, uh, real estate auctioneers. Do you, ever, do you ever get into the situation where you're doing an estate sale and you auction off, sell off, auction off all the belongings, and then at the end you auction off the actual home? The house and the car. Uh, the house and the car. So the to whole... dispose of an estate quickly. And... and f- to auction off that house, would there be, as the auctioneer, would there be a minimum amount of people bidding on it that you would you'd want to see to have a successful uh, auction of of the actual building, the house? Usually five to six. You'd want five, yeah, yeah, just to ensure there's there's some sort of uh, reason for the price to get to fair market value, I guess. And then usually there's an established established value on the house mm-hmm. of the minimum that they'll take to sell the property before they go to the regular route. Okay, that's that's interesting. Have you ever been involved in that deal? No, never been involved in that. Uh, and, and really my auction experience is, is very low. Um, my wife, my wife Carolyn and I, we went, we went to an auction very soon after we were first married which is a long time ago. It, does, it seems like yesterday. And, uh, <laughs> because she's listening. <laughs> and uh, I, I, bought these, I bought these candlestick holders, and uh, I'd never been there before. And, you know, the regulars know who's who in, in, in the building. And 
I never re really got a good look at these candlestick holders, and, and I, I was the winning bid. First time I ever bid, you know, a real rookie had to win it, and <laughs> I, I'm not sure that I got great value. <laughs> it's all an opinion. Yeah, yeah, it's all an opinion, but I know when I, when I got home with my candlestick uh, holders, I, I questioned uh, whether I, I should have done a little learning before, <laughs> before I showed up. <laughs> Do you still have them? No. <laughs> so somebody else is enjoying them. Somebody else is enjoying those, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> they, yeah. they were part of a yard sale. You know, we kept them around for a while. Actually, maybe part of the problem was I liked them and, and Caroline didn't. Mm. And uh, so. A lesson there. A, les a big lesson <laughs> there. <laughs> yeah. well, you know, one of the things that I thought we could take advantage of asking David today is about the changing value of things in the market. And I ask this out of, out of personal um, interest because because we are downsizers, we are helping people get rid of things all the time. And so there's common things we run across that are always surprising to my clients because they think they have a lot of financial value. It turns out they don't. And so there is this shifting market in terms of things that have value and things that don't. It occurred to me that this would make a great open line topic, and I'm not going to put David on the spot today by suggesting we take online calls, but wouldn't that be an interesting topic for mm -hmm. another time? Yeah. But the, some of the things I want to ask you, David, um, are things that I see all the time. Dining room says... China cabinets, sets sofa of dishes, sets. sets of crystals, sets of silver plate. Formal dining is not popular right now, so all the attachments of it have fallen completely out of the market. Uh, we would get four to five calls a day, and any auctioneer would get them about dining sets. No one wants them. If they that do many, want them, that many a day, my that gosh. Many a day. They did a study of how many must be in the in in the province, and if you start and think every house had one. It becomes in the thousands, yeah, and then the tens enough. of thousands. Well, with the open concept houses, they don't suit. Formal dining doesn't suit. People would rather have a big pine table or a modern table, set of designer chairs. Yes. The traditional dining thing is over. Yeah. It may come back, but in the meantime, it's the one thing everybody has and the young don't want. That's right. And not only do they not want it because fashions have changed, furniture goes through fashions yep. like everything yes, else, but space changes. And so if you take a look at the new units that are being built that are yes. affordable to millennials, you're looking at condominiums that might be a mere 500 square feet. My daughter lived in one for five years that was 375 square feet. You no can't e for a dining room suite. You, <laughs> you can't even begin to think about formal dining in, the, in that case. And so it's fallen, things like that have fallen out of fashion because spaces have changed trends have changed lifestyles have changed they don't invite people over for formal meals and so that means no to the dining room suite no to the china cabinet no to the china that beautiful set of china that everybody got when they were married 30 40 50 years ago you might have inherited from your grandmother i have a full set from my grandmother i love it but i have a big house i have the advantage of a big house most people don't have that and so i am forever having conversations with my clients to explain to them that they have loved those things, and the value is in the experiences they've had with yes. them, not so much the financial value today. Would and you agree? That's totally right. We did an estate sale last weekend. What was left after the sale? Two big, dine, uh, two big dine, dinner services. Everything else went, but these two big dinner services sitting there. Yeah, it's interesting you say that because I'm working with a client right now who's, who's running an online auction, and I want to ask you about that in a moment. In the online auction, we have 140 lots. The one thing that has not attracted a bid, the one thing out of 140 lots, is the dining room table and chairs. Yes. 
And that, that's typical. We're starting online sales ourselves, and what you want to do is avoid the things that take a lot of manpower to move, a lot of marketing, and then what do you do with them at the end? That's right. And, and so sadly, what we end up doing is trying to find whether or not a, um, a charity might take them onto the floor. In many cases, they can't. They, they haven't got the space. Sometimes it actually goes to disposal. And so we suggest to clients, as you may as well, that the first recourse is always to reach out to family and friends. When you've got things like that, you're probably going to be disappointed in terms of what the real financial value of that is. So reach out to family and friends that might have an emotional connection to that to that item because at least they'll get the benefit of enjoying it. That's in my first five-minute talk when I met in the state. I said, now, have you gone through with your family, anybody close that would want any of your things? The reduced value is going to upset you. Let them go and be enjoyed again. That's right. Good advice. Uh, David, I'm, I'm, I'm thinking about the... The people who are considering a, li- a living estate sale or, or an estate sale, and they're just wondering how much work is involved. They're, they're thinking, this could be a good option, but how much work do I have to do to prep for this estate or living estate sale? You don't do anything. And we advise people, if they call us, don't drink before we get there. So many times we find people have gotten rid of what was of value and, and not of real value, but in their mind had no value. You know, postcards, ephemera, good collector's items. We had a lady throwing out an oriental rug because she thought it was worn. It was the highlight of the sale. We don't expect the client to do anything. Let us come, assess the situation, see if we can help. Then we take over. We establish the price. We discuss it with them. A lot of people just go to the house and leave it till it's done. They don't want to actually see it happen. Mm -hmm. They put their pets in boarding kennels, and they go away for a couple of days. Actually, that's great advice because being there on site means that you're watching things that you've loved and invested in leave. And, and that's a hard thing. Emotionally, that's a hard thing. Also involved by the whole general public. You know, what your personal yes. life is being out on display to the public. Well, you don't want to hear the public's opinions of things that you loved. Uh, they may not share your same values. It's best not to be there when that exactly. happens. Exactly. Yeah, so, I mean, that's, that's great because there's nothing to be afraid of. You don't do the work. You can, you can like you say, uh, maybe go somewhere for overnight, come back, and uh, the stuff you want to get rid of is gone, and there's money in your pocket. Right. And other times, the people do want to be there because they enjoy the experience. Hmm. We did one last week, and they wanted to be in the house, and they could tell, you know, each oh, buyer about yeah. the things, oh. and that they loved the things, they wanted to find a good home. Yeah, Their yeah. children didn't want any of it, but they wanted to feel it had found somebody that loved it. So they were great salespeople. So I guess it comes down to being self-aware as a buyer, knowing how attached you are to those things yeah. and what, you're like, what your response is likely to be if you're actually on site at the auction. Exactly. Well, David, what, what are the most common questions people have for you when they're wanting to learn about an estate sale? How long it would take? How much work it's going to involve? Uh, will there be a loss of my privacy? And am I going to get money in the end? Because in some situations, they don't. There's the, the cost of running the thing to get the goods out of the house actually outweighs any value there. So it's just a matter of, in some cases, if you don't have things that are high-ticket, high pop, like highly popular items, it's just a matter of getting everything clear and breaking even. Exactly. It, it not costing you money to do so. And we go in with free advice, you know, to give them an idea. And many times I say you better just call, by, you know, one of the local charities, Bible's Permission, the Blue Box, mm-hmm. the hospital, just just give it away. Mm-hmm. They're mm-hmm. horrified at first, but then after you explain the reality of it, that 
every house around you has got the same goods in it. Yes, and I'm going to add a comment to that as well because we have a lot of conversations with clients that tend to forget that donating things and disposing of things also costs time and money. That Mm -hmm. doesn't happen in a vacuum. Somebody has to take responsibility for dividing things up to figure out what's going to charity, which charities do they pick up? Because if you, if you as the seller don't have a truck, how are you going to get that dining room cabinet to Bibles for Mission, yes. as an example? There is a great deal of coordination. There's a big investment of time and labor in actually running either the auction or if you chose not to go that route, doing it yourself. There's still a big commitment of time and labor. And if you don't have that time and you don't have that labor, you don't have the capacity for that, then it's always better to bring in a professional because it gets done and it gets done on a time frame. Mm -hmm. And it didn't cost you the money, even if it's a break even, it didn't cost you the money to get rid of it. Yeah. Well, it's going, to, it's going to cost you the money if you bring in a professional. And that, that's my point, is that it's not going to cost you if you do it yourself, but it's going to cost in time and labor. If yeah. you can't do that, then you may be better served by bringing in a professional to do it. And with an open mind, looking at their proposal, mm-hmm. understanding that you're paying them for valuable services, even if it's just going to disposal, even if it's just being divided and, and given to charities who will appreciate it and recycle it. There is value to that, but somebody has to bring the the time, the resources, and the skills to making that happen. And you need to compensate them fairly for that. Right. Help them them, them make the decision. You need somebody to sit them down to make those decisions, which are very hard for the Mm -hmm. average person. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. But let's talk about what an auction costs in terms of how you don't have to give us specific prices, but how how could a seller anticipate what they should budget for the cost of running an auction? It's usually a base a commission, and that's based. Everybody, we get more phone calls. What's your commission? I say it's zero to a hundred, <laughs> mainly based on the value of the goods. If you got a, a million dollar painting, any auctioneer wants it. They'll give you a very small commission. You pay next to nothing to sell it. But if you've got a house full of rubbish, it's going to take a lot of work to get rid of. You need a higher commission. But the average commission is around thirty percent. And the other thing people don't understand: why would I pay to move it? Well, the cost of trucking anything today is expensive. You know, yes. two men, a truck, gas, insurance, it costs money. And tipping fees. Even if it goes to disposal, there are tipping There's fees at the fees. dump. Yeah. Yes. You know, an average truck that dumps 150 bucks now for, a, you know, a cube truck to get rid of it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, it's, it's not cheap. So if you can get somebody, a professional to help you and uh, that knows, knows where the different avenues are, who will accept mm-hmm. what for free, mm-hmm. that's, that's a big benefit to someone. Sure, absolutely. The, the other benefit of working with a professional is that it gets done on a timeline. I've met clients so many times, as I'm sure David yes. has, who have been picking away at this sore, which is this full house. They've been picking away at it for, in some cases, years, yeah. bit by bit by bit. And it's just overwhelming them. And it becomes a mental burden. It affects their health. It affects everything about their day-to-day livelihood. It's better, actually, to bring a professional in who says it's going to take this long. You can expect that it's going to cost this much, or this is what you can expect in terms of commission. But you've got a timeline. It's a project. It begins, it ends, it's done, and then your life continues. All right. If we take a look at that uh, timeline, David, as a buyer, I go to an estate sale, living estate sale, and I want to buy something. Do I have to be there? I, I don't know what I might buy. I might buy nothing. I might buy several things. Do I have to show up with a truck? Do I need to be able to pick it up right away? Or, no, or use, what, usually what there's, there's, there's 48 hours to remove the goods. 
But also we have, again, back to cost, we have truckers we recommend. You know, if you buy a dining set, here's the name of a guy that will take it to your house. It's $40 or it's $30, whatever it is. We prepare for that. We prepare for the garbage to be picked up, to leave a totally clean house. And what Catherine said is right. We get so many people calling up and you discuss it and suddenly, well, what's your deadline? Well, Friday. (laughs) And you're saying, but it's Tuesday. Why why did you wait? When was the household? Six months ago. Yes. But they just can't bring themselves to deal with it. Whereas if they'd have done that, called in a downsizer, called in an auctioneer at at the start, they wouldn't have this pressure. Yeah. Yeah. Well, listen, let's, let's take another break here. Folks, you've been listening to Reality Realty, Northumberland, 89.7 FM's local real estate talk. Join us after this break as we continue to talk real estate and the changing landscape of consignment sales. Welcome back. This is your Real Estate Forum, Northumberland, 89.7 FM's Reality Realty with Dale Bryant. And my co-host today is Catherine Gissing, owner and founder of Sage Relocation Services. And we're talking about the changing landscape of consignment sales and what people can expect estate and consignment sales uh, as a means to clear out their house before they move. Or it could be an estate sale. Catherine, take it away. Sure. Next question. And this is a burning question because I know a lot of people have had some experience with trying to sell things themselves online through platforms like Kijiji, maybe eBay. Um, there are pros and cons to that. Uh, there are also pros and cons to a complete online auction as an event that is managed by an estate company such as Brighton Estate, um, uh, Brighton Auctions, or Max Sold. We've had we've had Max Sold in as a as a guest in the past, and they specialize in that. So we're going to start with questions about the pros and cons of a seller taking the time to offer something for sale themselves online. And I, I just would like to pitch that to David and get his opinion on that. It's a good avenue if you've got the experience, the computer savvy, and the time to deal with it. Yeah, and time is the big one. Uh, what I discover, and this may be your experience as well, is that time can work against you. If you're going to, it's all very well and good to take a picture or two and post it online. But you then need to be able to manage the responses, weed through the weed through the wheat in the shaft, yes. figure out which ones are legitimate concerns, be there in order to show people if they want to come for a mm-hmm. preview, be able to negotiate the financial agreement, and feel secure in your own environment. Your if it's home. a big piece of furniture, they're coming into your house. So you need to be feel secure about the person coming in and having them come into your space. You don't know who's coming into your house. That's right. That's a biggie. I think that's huge, that one there, just not knowing what stranger is, what, what, what sort of predator is out there looking for this sort of opportunity to come into your home. Well, and predator is a pretty strong word. Um, we're not trying to scare people, but certainly they need to be aware of it. There have been very high-profile cases mm-hmm. where people with a predatory nature have used this as a way to gain access to people. And so, yes, you need to exercise caution. The majority of cases don't play out that way, thankfully, no. but you need yeah. to be aware of it. Absolutely. I mean, that's the same with selling your home privately. Yes. And just having people come in, you're inviting people to walk through your home, people you've never met. And, and, and it's no different if it's an article in your home. There's, you're still inviting them to come in your home privately without a, another third party there that's, that's, that's present or that's had a chance to somewhat 
get an idea of who these people are about. Yeah, but also, enough. how did you determine, as an individual, the market value of your goods? Good point. You don't know yeah. whether the, you're doing well, what you could do, or you're doing terribly. I mean, it could be a gold yeah. box you're selling for eight dollars. Mm-hmm. And 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 I gotta I gotta think, and with David and the business he's in, I mean, for me, I do real estate in Northumberland County. Yes, it could be farmland. Yes, it could be in town, rural. It could be commercial. But when I think of the huge area, uh, the 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 vast um, difference in products that you need to be able to come up with market value on that's just mind-blowing it's experience and research many times we don't know about a painting when we see it you have to go away and research Mm -hmm. it you know using all the channels you Mm -hmm. know yeah yeah Mm -hmm. absolutely just like right back at school exactly (laughs) but i'm sure that keeps it interesting though to me it sounds like a fascinating line of business because you're always dealing with new products and new information oh it's amazing and there's lovely stories i mean one is we were doing a house in Port Hope, got the call, went, and suddenly you're surrounded by amazing goods, which they're ready to give away because they want this house emptied. Kids don't want them. You know, the sale netted $400,000. One bowl was 100000 It was under the sink in the kitchen. Those are lovely little events to remember. <laughs> oh, my gosh. You know, or the dessert set that made 40000 that they didn't really care about. And, you know, in a house in Colburn, there was a pa- painting in the basement. We got 86000 for The brother was ready to throw in a dumpster. You know, it's, oh, and that experience gosh. does pay off over time. Yeah, and so that's the value of bringing in a professional yeah. in order to give that third-party opinion. But in more cases or not, they don't have the $86,000. No, they right. have I'm the $5 <laughs> painting. I'm just thinking we should tell our listeners, adjust your expectations. <laughs> yeah, that, those, are, those are the unusual, memorable yeah. moments, right? It's, yeah. it's more uncommon now to go in the house with, say, a collection of Dalton figures, which have fallen totally out of favor. And you know, you're trying to explain to a woman that's paid two hundred and fifty dollars for Dalton figure, you're going to get thirty, mm-hmm. and, and they're just so disillusioned with it all. But we're aware of the market, and they're not. They're living in a little environment of their own. In their mind, it still has value. Outside that, they don't. It doesn't, and it's hard to explain that. To True, people. and I would say that's our challenge as professionals: is helping our clients understand that the world has shifted, yes. and they need to trust our experience in order to give them. The true data, mm-hmm. and what they what they want to believe does not reflect value today. So, mm-hmm. if, if anything, this is my appeal to clients to have an open mind. We will give them an opinion. By all means, they should go away and they should verify that themselves. You can do that, you know, through Google search themselves, or if they're not as comfortable with computers, have someone, a friend, or a family, or, or a someone younger, opinion. or a second opinion. And I suggest that many times you get a second opinion, and we can't help everybody. You know, people have beliefs in their values. They won't. They won't flex. Well, you can't help them. Yes, but in some, we we as downsizers, and this is a plug for the downsizing industry, we do have ways to help people hold the emotional value and mm-hmm. let go of those things. Yes. So, for in David's case, where he suggests us that collection of Royal Dalton, or the question, the the collection of cranberry glass, or the Hummels, or these things that people. You know, collected for years and invested love, and they just they cherish those and things money. and money and money. So when we come in and tell them, I'm so sorry to tell you this, but they have very little financial value in the market right now, and we suggest they get rid of them so that they clear their space. We as downsizers can actually help them hold on to those emotional memories by bringing in professional photographers to photograph those collections, so they put together a memory book. They can do a photographic mural as a collage on the wall, so they can see that whole collection 
every day when they get up, they can, you know, frame it and put a spotlight on it so they can still experience the joy of that collection and, and allows them to let go of it and let them go to market. And whatever the market determines the value yes. is, is the value. And, and maybe save one or two of those pieces of the 50 you have, your, That's right. your favorite pieces. Yeah. That's right. Yeah, for sure. Uh, David, is there... Is, uh, I mean, sometimes people can't help it. Uh, maybe a state sale happens when it happens. But if if you're able to, if you're able, you're, maybe you're doing a living estate and you're able to plan ahead. Is there better months? Do you find to to have a, a living estate well, sale? Well, I mean, the winter's the worst, j- yeah. just because of the, the weather. But no, any in, in the auction thing, often a, a snowy February is a great sale because people want something to do. You know, yeah. they have an antique show in Kingstall Cabin Fever, and it is. People just want to get out. They've been stuck inside for six weeks. They want to get out. That's a really good point. Yeah. I wouldn't have thought of that. No, I, I, I'd rather be selling in a, in a blizzard in February than a heat wave in August. <laughs> yeah. You know, do you want to be at the lake swimming, or do you want to sit in an auction all hoping? Yeah, you're yeah. You're, you're competing in the, in the beautiful weather, aren't yep. you? Yeah. 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 Let's talk about online auctions a little bit. We talked a little bit about the pros and cons of platforms like Kijiji. Mm-hmm. What about online auction events? And I'm just going to put some and context around that. And these are a new phenomenon. And they are a new phenomenon. And you and I have talked about yeah. this a little bit. And we've talked, Dale and I have talked about this in a previous show. So at, for context for our listeners, we're going to, to identify online events as a dedicated online event for a whole collection a whole from home. an estate, for a, yeah. whole, a whole home. So what that would entail is someone like myself or David or another online auction company coming in and photographing and cataloging all those goods and then making that information available online and running it as an auction online for a dedicated period of time. It might be five days, it might be a week, whatever, and the bidding happens online. And I just wanted to ask David about his experience with that and whether or not he sees the industry trending towards that. The industry's totally going towards that. It was interesting when we had Waddington's, we were phasing out, we had several online auctions. People that lived within five minutes who'd never been to the auction were buying online coming to collect. Oh, interesting. You forget there's a whole group of buyers who don't know about the traditional lawn, uh, auction services, but everybody knows now how to go on a computer and purchase things. Mm-hmm. As an auctioneer, it's great because we can now say, we used to get the line, you didn't promote it well. The weather was bad. There, I can now say, well, the whole world saw it. Yeah. It was online. There was, there was actually 30,000 views. Mm-hmm. There's what the market is today. Yeah. It's a clean way of doing it because everything has to go. Yeah, and I like it because, as you say, it's quantifiable. Yep. You can show the seller the data. Yep. This many people viewed it, this many people yep. bid, and uh, and it's a transparent process. Yes. You can see the bidding process transparently. You can see that your dish went for $6, not that, you know, why did I not get 150 Because there, there, the whole world saw it. You got that's 6 right. bucks. That's the value yeah. today. No, we're, we're doing it ourselves. Our own platform starts next week. Oh, excellent. Yeah. I didn't realize that. So this is very timely. Yeah, it, it, and it is the way of the future. I hate to say it. We love the old, you know, meeting people, greeting people, talking about the stuff. But we're changing the way we think. And mm-hmm. many people would rather sit at home in the privacy of their own home, not knowing who they're bidding against and just anonymously buying things. So will that, David, will that mean a new website or in addition to in your addition to the Just in addition to the website. Yeah. And we'll still have... Probably some live auctions for good estates. We're hoping to do one in Whitby, which is an amazing estate. And it will draw people from, you know, 200 mm-hmm. miles away. The stuff's there. Mm-hmm. But the general household doesn't draw that anymore. It's a, way of, it's a clean way of disposing of household goods. Mm-hmm. Well, I, I can't believe how much online shopping uh, our family has done for Christmas over the past few years. 
it is is just a, everyone's family a, a pretty mm-hmm. a pretty slick way to have things just delivered to your door and uh yeah pretty neat and i never thought i'd be that guy well, the you know what? Changes. I'm not sure I'm that guy. I, I have that girl that's ah. doing it for me. Now. With the online, what you start to find is the regular buyers who come to every sale, like a live sale, and then the one-time people who are just looking for a, a sofa. Mm-hmm. You know, you, you're reaching a far broader range than the people that just collect antiques and came out every week. Suddenly, there's you know you go online, you're looking for a sofa. My own daughter found a, an, a vanity for our bathroom online we couldn't find locally. Wow. You know, and she, but we normally wouldn't have gone that route. But she's thought of it differently because she's younger. Yeah. The world, the world changes. It affects everything. Yeah. David, how about items that are not acceptable for, for estate sales or consignment? What would they be? People are very nervous of mattresses right now because mm-hmm. of the bed bug scenario. Uh, old kitchenware, you, appliances. People don't want old, small appliances anymore. Or even old, large appliances. You know, it's hard to get rid of a stove if they have to. It's usually going to scrap metal. Mm-hmm. Uh, clothing is very difficult. Cleaning, you know, household products, food, all the stuff that people just would use on a day-to-day basis, which nobody wants to take home. Mm-hmm. I don't want your old nails out of your basement and your, your old half-used containers of cosmetics and things. Yeah. You know, that's that's very timely. You you mentioned the stove because we're, we're just about to get new appliances. And, and we have a stove. We have a stove that I can't remember how many years old it is, my wife and I, but it's like it's like 24 years old and it's working 100%. And and it's a shame. <laughs> it's a shame, but, you know, you mentioned stove. We're thinking, well, I wonder if anybody would want this, you know, but uh, maybe not is so much. Is it energy efficient is the first well, question? Yeah. No. Well, as energy efficient as they did, you know, um, 20 years qu- ago. Quarter, quarter century ago. <laughs> yeah. Neat, neat, and not so neat. <laughs> well, Catherine, do we have any more questions for David? We got we got room for maybe one or two more questions at best. Well, I would I would ask David whether or not there is any trends that he sees happening that we haven't already discussed. Yes, and when you were talking about the the young people buying, they don't want house full of stuff. They want accent pieces. Mm-hmm. They want. One, maybe an old table, but a set of modern chairs. They don't want to furnish a house the way it was done. They're drawn to things that are fashionable at a point in time. And Martha Stewart makes something popular. Everybody wants it for a point in time. There'll always be a market. It's just a changing market. Yeah, and I would agree with that. I see that as well. Uh, I have uh, two adult children, and they have both taught me that you know, they they embrace the IKEA culture yes. of of quick, disposable, affordable furniture. But there there are unique pieces that they love because yep. it still speaks to their attachment to the past, to heritage. Yep. They still value those things. They don't have the space or the money for them. And it's unique. And it's unique. But they might have a little corner where that beautiful drop leaf table might just be the accent they're looking for. Yep. And so, I, I guess our, our message to our, our listeners is that you may have some of these things in your house that. Mm-hmm. no longer have value to you, but may have a different kind of value to new buyers. Yeah, and the synergy between old and new can can be so uh, so sharp looking. Uh, you know, it, it can take it can take the cold off of the new. That's and, right, and, and give a little bit of warmth. But David, I, I'd like to thank you so much for joining us today on the show. Uh, really informative information, 
And what's the best way people can contact you if they'd like to uh, learn more or get a... The website, Brighton Estate Auctions. Brighton Estate Auctions. Folks, look it up. I've looked it up myself recently. Easy to find. And Catherine, thanks for co-hosting with me again. And what's the best way to get in touch with you? Well, the best way is, again, through the website, which is Sage Relocation Services. We are a relocation and downsizing services company. We're based here in Coburg, but we service Northumberland County and beyond. Well, folks, if you have any questions or comments about today's show or for any real estate questions, feel free to contact me by emailing dale at dalebryant.ca or call into the radio station at 905 372 2391 and leave a message for me don't forget to join me dale bryant i'm an active real estate broker with royal lepage pro alliance realty brokerage join me next thursday from 11 a.m until 12 noon for reality realty on northumberland 89.7 fm truly local radio until next week folks